I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. There's some things in life that just must be said. Some things just have to be spoken. The words we hear crying out from the crowd, peace and heaven and glory in the highest heaven, hearken us back to that hillside where the angels met with the shepherds after Jesus' birth and were unable to contain themselves as they sang, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Luke's gospel has been leading us on a journey that emphasizes the love of God that can't be contained and a journey that will ultimately lead in triumph. But before our story does end in triumph, we have some ground to cover this week. On this Palm Sunday, we gather with excitement to reenact Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, where Jesus seems to have planned it all out in orderly fashion. As he enters, not riding on a horse, but rather on a colt, just as in his birth, we are reminded that this Jesus may not be exactly what we expect. Luke reports that as Jesus makes his way down the Mount of Olives, the people gather, begin to praise. In a tweet, we would report that Jesus is definitely trending. And as Wilson, Ryan Wilson points out, the message of peace on earth and in heaven are trademarks of Jesus' reign. As always, there are some that are going to be very uncomfortable with demonstrative acts of praise, and they want to stifle any who are. Last week, as Mary of Bethany anointed Jesus' feet with the expensive perfume and wiped them with her hair, there were some who wanted Jesus to stop her. If you recall, Jesus responded, leave her alone. To the day when the crowd's throwing down the cloaks, some want Jesus to make them quit, but you heard the response. If these are silent, the stones will cry out. Jesus knows that even if the people are silent, all of creation would somehow sense what was going on and make some noise. Let that sink in. A few days after the birth of Jesus, he arrived into Jerusalem for the first time when he was presented by his parents at the temple. It was there that Jesus' future was foretold by prophets, by two prophets, Simeon and Anna. Now as Jesus arrives for the last time into Jerusalem on his way to the cross, that destiny that Simeon foretold is being fulfilled. Now this is not a destiny in the sense of some impersonal fate, whatever that is, but on God's loving purpose and appointment. It's not a destiny that reduces all human will, but one that invites active participation into doing God's will. So Jesus both fulfills the foretelling, and it is a journey 
of Jesus' own choosing. Despite knowing how the journey will end, Jesus has continued to preach, to heal, to release people from bondage, and even to raise the dead. He's not been afraid of conflict with governmental officials or religious leaders who have sought to kill him. And although Jesus would rather gather and protect Jerusalem, this is not the way the story unfolds. It quickly turns from the triumphal entry into Jerusalem to the deadly ending at Golgotha, the story we will hear on Good Friday. This is a different Palm Sunday than we've had in years past. And I so appreciate the opportunity to truly focus primarily on the triumphal entry. It's important that we give that we give the story, though, of Jesus' death its due before we can acknowledge resurrection next Sunday. Our story of faith is bracketed by hosannas and hallelujahs, by glory, laud, and honor. But if these are the only parts of our faith that we experience in church, we, if we leave here and don't return until next Sunday, we may miss the very structure of our faith and of our lives, which are fill, filled with moments of pain, doubt, betrayal, suffering, and death. If our only experiences are pomp and pageantry of the triumphal entry and the resurrection next week, some may feel entitled, wrongly thinking we somehow deserve to be the redeemed people that we are. While others may walk away feeling they, as if they don't fit in such a perfect place where all seems well at every single moment. This is not the life Jesus nor we encounter. So I ask you to embrace the tension, even without the story today, the passion of the final days of Jesus' life, which is the tension of real life. As we move into Holy Week, can we ask ourselves, who this so-called king who rides on a colt into the holy city with people praising him? Who is that? Who is this Jesus? And what is it about him that caused angels to sing at his birth? I honor that it's very much a challenge for us because we can't help but approach Holy Week through the lens, but through the lens of the resurrection. We know how the story ends. And if for any reason you don't, or you don't get back until next week, Spoiler alert, Jesus lives. You may ask, so Cheryl, why would I ever live even a moment as if I didn't know who Jesus was or that he rose from the dead? Theologian Lucy Lynn Hogan says it well, that this is crucial because we live and move among people who, do, who have not yet met Jesus. They're people who don't know the story or why it matters. 
And if we're perfectly honest with ourselves, even if we know the story from beginning to end, do we fully embrace the impact that Jesus has on our lives? Whether you've kept the perfect Lent or you botched it day one, I invite you to experience Holy Week in a new way, to see what God may have in store. If you've never experienced today, and even if you have, you will want to come Tuesday evening where it sets the tone for us for Holy Week. The sanctuary will be transformed into display of light with a set and candles everywhere. The music's tranquil with wind and string instruments, and there will be lots of silence. Monday Thursday moves us into the first of the three-part Easter triduum. Triduum, if that's an unfamiliar word, which includes Monday Thursday, Good Friday, and the Great Vigil of Easter. The services of the triduum may be thought of as distinct from one another, but the liturgy actually links them together. There is only one opening acclamation and one dismissal across the three days. Monday, Thursday will offer us, offer, offer us the opportunity not only to serve others and to share a Eucharistic meal together, many, of, many things which is, were comfortable for many of us, but it also will offer us an opportunity to be served as Jesus served his disciples, which can be quite humbling. The Eucharist we share on Thursday will be the last until the vigil as the altar will be stripped in silence. On Good Friday, we come in, the altar is bare, and this is when we'll read the Passion, where we'll find ourselves as part of that fickle crowd who not only throws down the cloaks, as the children sang in praise, but as people who also crucified Jesus. Now on Saturday, for those of you who have missed Mount Lebanon, here's your chance. We will be there and Bishop Parsley will be our preacher. It begins outside at dusk with a fire. The Paschal candle is lit from this new fire. From one candle, all light spread to each of us, holding our own candle, offering a visual of how the light of Christ spreads into the world. Later in the service, the lights come up, the altar is reset during the hymn, and we share the Eucharist again. If you want to sleep in next Sunday, this is the first Easter service with several others offered next Sunday morning. So I invite you to walk the way of Jesus this week. We'll learn about it over in Christian formation in a few minutes, a little bit about the labyrinth that helps set the tone also that will be available all week. It will indeed end in joy and triumph. But it's okay to run the gamut of emotions, a mix of peace and conflict, 
of betrayal and triumph, of noise and of silence. And perhaps we can discover together what it is about this Jesus that we can't help but praise so that the rocks don't have to shout out. Amen.